Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals, and I'm really excited about this edition. I'm Randall Carlisle, and my co-host is Rachel Santizo, and Rachel always has a t-shirt to show us. What, what do you have today, Rachel? Rachel? I must admit, today is going to be the best t-shirt I have ever worn in the entire series. Randall. Okay, I'm dying. Tell I, me. I'm dying, too. I couldn't wait to put it on. Today, my t-shirt is Team Randall. Randall. Creepily. Got this, my mom helped me make this. We got this photo off of the Facebook page. Wow. And this, so Randall's actually gonna have to explain the shirt itself, but we got it off his Facebook page and I made this shirt to wear it for him today. Well, thank so you're gonna have to explain that. That's spectacular, thanks to your mom. I think that's me sitting on a deck at a uh, restaurant up Big Cottonwood Canyon on my birthday. So you're saying, hey, you know, this this T-shirt could really take off. We could probably sell one or two of them and make a buck or two. But you know, maybe we could get people to buy them and contribute to Odyssey House. I want one of those. If you, can you ask your mom if she can make me one? In a, little, a little bigger size than yours, okay? What, you want the V-neck? I thought we could wear matching shirts. Wow. Well, <laughs> Team Randall. Well, and joining Team Randall today is a guest I am excited to have on. Jared Jensen is, uh, I met him through probably one of the most important news stories I ever did. And Jared almost single-handedly is responsible through a horrible tragedy in his family for changing some of the rules, the way rural county jails all over the state deal with people who are going through withdrawal. Uh, and, and he has a tragic story to, to, to tell about that. And, and I, I was the first reporter back in my TV days to, to report. So I've been in Jared's home and, and he and I know each other fairly well. Welcome, Jared. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me today, Randall. You want to just sort of summarize, I don't want to steal your thunder, summarize what happened to your daughter uh, that resulted in some of the changes that we've seen at county jails. Well, what happened to my daughter is she went in there and she was having some mental issues and we couldn't get her any help locally. So when she put herself into the Duchesne County Jail at that time, when they took a test, they did say that she had opiates in her bloodstream. And so at that time, you know, the, the jail said that we just have her in court holding to watch her. Well, instead of being in court holding, they decided to put her in H block. Then after she become and took her meds away, after she become deathly ill, they threw her into a, a private cell in lockdown and basically left her there until she passed away of dehydration. And, and she, was, she, was, she was going through the typical signs of withdrawal from opiates, uh, uh, puking, diarrhea, things like that, right? Yes. And... and and I, I think I remember from the story, she lost a horrible amount of weight in just a few days in the jail. Um, the weight was recorded twice at 42 pounds. Um, there's been back and forth with that, but she continually threw up, vomited, extensive diarrhea, stuff like that was, was attributed to that with one they believe or claim that it was a withdrawal. There's and, no help for her, no fluids or anything. 
And, and just so you know, Rachel, we're talking about the Duchesne County Jail, and I have no love lost for them because they, uh, they were very uncooperative when I was doing the story uh, with Jared. Uh, and, and they, and, and, and the name of your, your daughter is Madison, right? And how old yep. was she? Madison was 21 years old when she passed away. And, and how many days, how many days between when she checked in and when she died? Um, I think it was four days, four and a half days. So when. Jared, that's, uh, my heart goes out to you and Madison. I am personally an opiate addict and I can't even imagine like I'm in, I'm in shock in my heart. Well, and, and, and the shocking thing, Rachel, is that she, that Madison asked for help. Can you tell me about that, Jared? A lot of people, if they haven't seen your newscast, haven't seen like she pushed buttons at least six times to have medical attention, which they refused. Once she becomes so ill, she threw up or vomited all over her cell and also on the ceiling and onto the roommate with her. And once they finally got somebody to come to the door, they told them to go get a mop and clean it up themselves. That's how disingenuous they was to my daughter and the, the cellmate that she had an H block. Therefore, after she was so sick, she put in a thing for a sick call and, and said she hasn't ate or drank or held anything down for four days. And they still disregarded that let that note that she put in and it was put aside so after that she becomes so ill again that they decided they'd put her in solitary confinement basically put a piece of paper over the door and only recordings we can show in that whole time frame of 48 hours she was handed one bottle of Gatorade prior to her death that was the extent of her care after asking for help help and having no fluids, no solids, no nothing, and just continually anything within her body was leaving her body rapidly. That and, makes me so angry. And, and yeah, it, it made me angry too when I heard about it. And when I actually, when I, because I, I heard about the story, and when I called Jared a, as, a, as a news reporter and he told me this story, I, I thought, oh, it, he can't be telling the truth because that's just outrageous. And something like that can't happen. But then I took a trip out to, to his house in, in, in Roosevelt and, uh, and, and followed up and, and, and it was true. And she wasn't the first person to die in the jail under similar circumstances. And what did they tell you, Darren? When, how'd you find out that she had passed away? Um, I actually just come out of surgery and I was at home and at two o'clock in the afternoon, 2.30, two officers come to my door and they just asked for me and my son was there and they, they said, we have some news to give you. And I'm like, are they releasing Maddie or what's going on? Well, your daughter passed away. I'm like, how'd she pass away? I just did a sick call and the sheriff just sat in my house and told me she wasn't throwing up. She is perfectly fine. Her court date was pushed till Friday because the judge couldn't show up on a Monday was which we had planned. I'm like, she was perfectly fine. How'd this happen? We don't know. We don't have anything, but we're just to notify you. But your daughter passed away. They turned around and walked away. That was the extent of it. You believe that, Rachel? I, I, I'm in shock. Like, I don't even know what to say. Like, I um, go into the jail a lot. Uh, I, I don't. I... And, the, and the difference, the, the difference that I noticed when I was doing this story is, 
in a in a metropolitan you're you're used to going into the Salt Lake County Jail. Right. They have more sophisticated methods of dealing with people who are in opiate withdrawal than they right. do in rural jails. And and there seemed to be such a lack of concern in the Duchesne County Jail. I, can you sort of tell me about that, Jared? I, I mean, you know, there was supposed to be a nurse on duty. There's supposed to be people checking her constantly. And what did you find out? Um, through, I'm just glad that there's video of this. Every time Maddie had moved her finger, that the video would turn on and record her. If somebody walked down the hall, it recorded them. So we know exactly date, time, place, minute by minute from the time she was put into that final, her death cell, to any service rendered to her up the hallway, and also all of her projectile vomiting and, and issues like that. And so seeing all that, we found out real quickly that none of the protocols were taken. Once we got into the depositions with Jana Clyde, we supposed, once somebody has an issue like that, every 30 to 35 minutes, and if they're in regular jail, 45 minutes, they're to be checked on, looked at. And then she also said, if there's any diarrhea, vomiting or anything, in her own words, they used to monitor their blood pressure, everything every 30 minutes and take samples, which they never done. They just left her in there. And Jana Clyde was, was what out there? She was their uh, medical nurse in control of everyone. She had a medical company over the top of her. If she had questions to call them at any given time for any help, which she never done. She just threw Maddie away and left her alone until she passed away. Why, why do you think they treated her so badly? I believe what my daughter went in there, being a blonde girl, beautiful. She, she went there on her own, and I want people to know that. We went, the, med, the hospital wouldn't take her again. Northeastern Counseling wouldn't take her unless there was a judge's order. And when my daughter was having suicidal issues and things like that in our home, I stayed up with her till, I don't know, nine o'clock in the morning, making sure she didn't harm herself. And when she kind of woke back up, I told her what happened. And she says, I didn't say that. And I says, Maddie, you did. And my dad was in the next bedroom and he says, Maddie, everything your dad said, you said and done last night. Well, I don't want to die. This ain't right. So we did everything we could do and nobody was there. And I knew that there was a place in the court that's called court holding. It's you're sitting in an area that everybody can see you. There's six officers looking at you. There's no way something could happen to my wife and they promised or my daughter. And that's where they said what she would be. And so we felt safe with her going there, having eyes on 24 seven. And, and I knew that there's a medical service there. And so we had to keep her alive from Sunday till Monday morning at 9 a.m. when she is to see the judge to have Northeastern figure out what was wrong with my daughter. Wow. And so once Judge Eddington had something come up where he had to pass the case till Friday, the next mornings when I called for that well check, and obviously you heard before that the well check was a fraud. My daughter was in complete distress on Tuesday and they never told us the truth. But when the officer says, well, she quit throwing up, she's fine. And I'll never forget the words he said. Your daughter told us that as long as she's in here, she knows that uh, you feel that she's okay. So she'll stay here till we get this figured out. So I decided, okay, well, I'll schedule my, my surgery because my daughter's making the right decision. 
not to harm herself when she's getting medical care. And she's going to be able to see a counselor forced by a court issue to uh, be placed in, in care for somebody who can figure out what's wrong with, with her. And so to the end, she went into jail alive, trying to save her life, and she come out dead. And never having a speeding ticket in her life or any time in jail or being arrested. Who do you, who do you blame for this? Um, it's real simple for me. I believe Jana Clyde's 100% negligent in my daughter's death. And we have that court case coming up in the middle of July that's been procrastinated forever. But also the medical physicians that were supposed to have a protocol for somebody come in with like withdrawals or a direct withdrawal issue. And once we found out through discovery after Maddie passed away and Tana Joe Fillmore passed away seven days prior to Maddie, 48 hours, they instituted a withdrawal protocol that they already had drawn up for like six to eight months that they never put into place. That's what's sad. I mean, it. go ahead. So, so they are they using that protocol now? Yes, it was implemented 48 hours after she passed away. But they had, but they had formulated it before she came in. Yep, and they never put it into use. That's according to the own Duchesne County witness. So if they would have just followed protocol, Maddie would still be alive. Maddie would be here today. The real thing is, if they would have just checked on Madison every 45 minutes, she'd be here. But a lot of people don't understand when the physician's assistant showed up on the jail on Thursday morning at 9 a.m., Maddie was alive. Maddie passed away as he is walking out of the jail. They... The, the nurse, Janet Clyde, never once told him about her until he was in the parking lot getting into his car and she ran out and said, hey, 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 there's a sick girl. I need you to come check in this cell. They opened the door and Maddie expired. And, you know, between the state examiner and other professionals that's been in our the civil and the criminal case, all she needed is having an IV stuck in her arm and she'd be alive today. That's all she needed prior to her death. That's the heartbreaker. But it, it, it's incomprehensible how, you know, what, what happened and how many screw-ups there were. Why, why do you think somebody like Jana Clyde didn't do more? I, I mean, she was there. That's her job. So, so why do you think she, she didn't do more to save Maddie's life? I honestly think that she judges people because in our deposition, her, if I could, she said, if this little B-I-T-C-H would have told me the truth, I'd have helped her out. Well, my daughter wrote you a letter saying she hasn't ate or drank or held anything down for four days. She was just being a very uncaring person. I just think she's judgmental and maybe that's harsh, but I look at it this way. My daughter would be alive today. She just would have took blood pressure, did the right checks and wouldn't have put her in solitary and left her there to die. That's the problem I have with it. Rachel, you, you recovered from opiate addiction. Uh, I mean, how does this make you, and you're pretty experienced in the jail. I should tell you, Jared, that, that Rachel in her position at Odyssey House frequently makes trips in the jail and talks to people in similar circumstances. So how do you feel about this, Rachel? Uh, well, it, it's interesting. Like I'm trying to hold back tears and I'm trying to hold back my anger. At the same time, I... To me, this is it's a systematic 
um, failure, right? And and all of it's preventable. Everything we're talking about is preventable. And for me, it, it's the same. It's like the common theme, right? I feel like it's the stigmas and the judgment attached. Like we have this young girl and she's sick. Oh, but she's just an addict, right? And we're just going to throw her in solitary confinement and then let her, you know, get over it. But if they would have just done the checks that they were supposed to and looked at her as a human being and give, given her the water and the Gatorade, she might still be here when you withdraw from opiates. I mean, it, it feels like death. I, I just can't even wrap my head around this whole situation, um, but she still might be here. But amongst other things that we can help people, it's a lack of education or wanting to be educated. Like all of this is preventable and it's so sad that it takes death for us to actually do something. But when you have a position of being a nurse and taking care of people, regardless, looking at a human being and seeing someone suffering and not showing up for them or doing your part, I, I think it's that whole, that whole stigma and judgment part and lack of education or wanting to be educated, unfortunately. And when you work in certain careers or job fields, you get that right almost. It feels that you can do that and people do that and the results in this. I, I was incredulous as a news guy going out to cover the story because I just thought, it, you know, and I had to be careful. I, we don't have to be careful on this podcast because I don't work for a TV station anymore. Uh, but I, I was incredulous that I couldn't get any response. It seemed like there's a good old boy network out in, in, in Duchesne County. And, and they all stuck together. And it was very difficult to get any point of view other than Jared's, which was a grieving father. I mean, would you, would you say that, that they have a pretty good, good old boy network at the jail there, Jared? I think they, they had a really good old boy system there. I think the way that you and the news channels kept beating on them over and over again, they couldn't hide from this no more. And, you know, as a father who lost their daughter, I'm not going to let her die in vain. I pounded that drum, as you know, every day. Every time they did something wrong, I hammered them on it. I called you. I called everybody. But, you know, the biggest thing you look at right now is we have a new sheriff in there. I believe he's really trying to do a good job. You know, they just had another death um, 10 days ago. He, was, he committed suicide while he should have been watched. So now there's three within a short amount of time. I mean, I think they're having people pass away more than the state prisons are. I mean, that's what's sad, but, but back to the good old boy system, I don't think people really understood that it don't matter if you're a father, a daughter, a mother, a son, or a child, you have a right. And when you're placed into custody, they have control over your life and they should take it more seriously. I don't think when they get sworn in, they understand that as soon as that person enters that jail, it is your job, just like as an infant, feed, water, care, and maintenance of body care. And it never happened. You know, that's the crazy thing that I've seen. But now it is not that way. Somebody walks in or has any issues, they're going to the emergency room. I mean, I'm proud of that. Now they're starting to get medical facilities. Now these jails are having to have an RN, not an LPN, because an RN could have gave IV fluids at the time if they would have caught Maddie post her pre-death and she'd have been alive. I mean, it's hard for me to sit there and know that a $20 bag of IV fluids, my daughter would be here at 12 o'clock. And, and then she passed away 29 minutes later. 
And the sad thing is, is her whole death is on video. The I mean, the, the whole calm control unit could see her dying, but where was everybody at? When my daughter was on the ground twitching, it was horrible. Where were they? That still, we're going to find that out shortly. But you got six controllers in there, computer screens in there. How did one person not see her in that situation? And that's what blows our mind. And so there's a lack of care, concern. And if you look at it, the time of death was around lunch. So did everybody just leave lunch and leave the computer screen? And just whatever, they're fine. You know, I don't think they took it serious back then. I just think, oh, we're just throwing them in jail and get them in, get them out. And that's how I felt about it. But I think now there's we put an onus on them. And every time we can bang that drum, we're going to bang the drum because people should not pass away. I mean, there's there's car accidents. If somebody pulls into another car and somebody passes away, you understand what happened. But when you have a person sitting in a controlled facility, air conditioned, there's food, there's medical facilities, and they pass away, it's like, are you kidding? You can't even call that an accident. I mean, that's the sad part. You know, and, and if I can carry on a little bit, a lot of people don't know Maddie's story. I mean, she lived through a rape, 16 years old. Um, she, the guy was let off because she actually got into a car and had went on a date with the guy. So they decided, the judge, well, she got in the car, that was her problem. So, so she's worked through this her whole life. She got struck by lightning in 2009 and lived. Lightning couldn't even kill her. Okay, she got fried so hard that her, her nails, she had them acrylic nails, they boiled on her fingers. Then after that, she was dodging cows on the road because she loved cattle. She didn't want to kill a cow. She ran off the road and, and took out the truck we bought her with my other daughter. Both went in the, in the windshield. And then there was a high-speed pursuit in Weaver County where she got T-boned in a high-speed chase. We bought her a brand new car the day before it was totaled. She lived through that. And next thing you know, she's put in a controlled environment and she dies. This girl was strong and tough. Nothing could kill her but a locked door. And that's what people need to understand. If there's, if there's an addict in there, but I hope you don't end up in jail who's listening to this, but you need to beat that drum, beat that door, push that button, right slips, you tell every inmate what's wrong with you. Do not sit idle because you could use your life, lose your life if you have somebody who don't care about you. And apparently there's those people in the jail system that's working there today. Take it upon yourself to save your own life when you're in there because you might not have a life in four days. And you stirred up a hornet's nest out there. And for people who are not familiar with the area, it's not a huge metropolitan area. And most people know uh, other people who live in the area. I, I had one, I ran into the wife of one of the, and I don't know the name, of, of, uh, of a, a wife of somebody who worked in the jail after I had done the stories. And I ran into her at a Harmon's grocery store here in Salt Lake City. And she came up and just started screaming and yelling at me, telling me how I'd screwed up her husband's facility and reputation and and the jobs that people were doing there. I mean, it's a tight-knit little community, and you you did stir the hornet's nest in this deal. Well, how I'd respond to that lady, I'll say, well, you just bring Mr. Jensen's daughter back, and I'll retract what I said. <laughs> but what I said is fact. Every, that's what's wrong with this town, is people don't look at what's lost. Oh, yes, she's just a drug addict. No, my daughter's never had a speeding ticket. She's never been 
ever for alcohol, drugs, nothing. But my daughter did it. She admitted it. She wanted to save her life. She took it upon herself to move home from Salt Lake, live in our home. And then when her mental capacity wasn't correct, we did everything we could do to make that girl right. And what person out there would put themselves into jail to save their own life? How many people have you heard of? She's never had a criminal history in her life, but we had one chance to save her life. Because if you know, my wife had a stroke prior to this. So I had Maddie in my home and my wife had a stroke. I'm back and forth up 24 hours a day. I did not want to have, because the doctor told us, Jared, if something happens to Maddie, your wife can go into cardiac arrest and you'll lose both of them. So when we had that conversation with Madison, she chose her mother's life over her care to be placed in somebody else's care to save her mom's life. And people need to understand, Maddie was a very giving, loving person. But to put yourself in a, in a situation in jail to make sure your mom lives and the stress wasn't there, that speaks mounds for my daughter. And I love her for that. I just wish she was back. I mean, that's just a horrible thing. But how did, how did this affect your whole family? I know you've got a pretty close-knit family. Um, I'll be honest with you. Our family, we, we're still tight-knit, but we have family members that haven't dealt with this. I have family members who won't even put Maddie's picture on their wall. Haven't dealt with their death. I mean, you bring Maddie up, it breaks their heart. They know she's gone, but the way she's gone is ridiculous. Like I say, a car accident, falling off a cliff or something, you can explain or have a reason, but if there was protocol followed, my daughter would be here today. I mean, it was simple. If she had just picked up the phone the two days when they seen she is sick, well, let's send her to the ER and get all her blood work done. If she's dehydrated, like her skin was tanning, IV, she's good to go. I mean, but that never happened. They never gave her a chance at life by locking that door. What was the official cause of death? Dehydration. Wow. And yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, a lot of people, when I told the medical examiner called me personally at my home, they're like, oh, you're lying. That never happens. If you remember, I had a screenshot of his phone calls. People didn't believe what he called me. He says, Jared, there's something horribly wrong with your daughter's death. You need to figure out what it is. This is abnormal what's going on. And so then again, he called back the next day and reiterated what he found. You And usually we was waiting for six to eight months. Boom, you see how fast we got the results. When the medical examiner says there's something horribly wrong and calls a person directly, I think that was pretty damning to Duchesne County Jail. We should, we should people, we're running out of time and, and I'm sure people watching up till now, if they have not been following this story, is you sued and, and things are in the courts right now. Can you give us an update on that? Because you, you yes. have, because I'm sure somebody watching say, well, that guy should be suing somebody. So what we've done is this immunity that Duchesne County has is ridiculous. You can basically kill somebody in jail and you just wash your hands up. That happened with the entire jail staff. The only person we have back in is Jana Clyde because they we've proven that she has not followed protocol that she knew. So the, the immunity goes away from her. But so that court case is next month. But, but when we went to 10th Circuit Court, we've... We won half, lost half. So we had Jones and Day attorneys 
back east, one of the largest firms in the country, they called my attorney, Ryan Hansi, he says, we want to pick up Maddie's case pro bono, and we want her case in front of the Supreme Court. And that's where we're headed now. Wow. They're like, this immunity's wrong. The laws are too, there's no repercussion for wrongdoing. For me, I don't understand that people in jail, if you are in a jail setting, there's people that have issues, things can happen. But when it's as egregious as this, there needs to be a rule set stating if you don't follow this protocol your immunity goes away i mean it's it's the craziest thing and even the district attorney or the state's attorney general are like we would love to charge federal or felony murder charges but we can't because negligent homicide is just a misdemeanor if it's a 300 dollars fine and 30 days in jail for killing somebody in the jail if i was to go out and harm a dog or a cat i'm looking at three years in jail but you can take a human being's life and you're getting 30 days in jail. That is ridiculous. Now, now what I love about you, Jared, is you're, you are a, you're a wonderful human being. And I have talked to you about this before. If you get some kind of large monetary settlement, you've told me what you want to do with that money. And it's certainly not to buy a new truck or car or more cattle. <laughs> no. So we're wanting to do, right now we've already bought two ranches that we call Madison ranches if they look it up on Facebook in Craig, Colorado. Madison loved hunting, she loved fishing, she loved horseback. So we, so what we've been doing is we've been taking kids that don't have money or parents that don't have money and we take them hunting for free. And if you pull up Adam Eagle Outdoors in Salt Lake City, Utah, you'll just look up the, the blind hunter. We took a blind kid hunting and believe it or not, he's blind. We got him his, he's got his elk, his mule deer, and an antelope. And we've took multiple young women, young men hunting for free because Maddie loved it. And I don't have that with her no more. So I want to share what I had with her with other people. And it, it helps my heart a lot. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to talk when I bring her up like that. But she was my buddy. My other daughters, I love all of them, and we, we've tried to fill the void, and they, they hunt do everything with, with me. But when you lose a child like this, you've lost that memory for future memories forever. I just want to fill it up with every child that I can to give them the right what Maddie loved and let them see what life can be for them. And so that's what we're trying to do. But if we can get an opioid center, and get something to help people that have withdrawals to where we'll actually answer the phone and call a paramedic if there's a problem. That's what needs to be done. And we'll bang that drum until it gets done. And we've seen the changes, a lot of changes. And for me, and I'll say one thing about the Duchesne County Sheriff's Department. I've had multiple sheriffs and officers come to my house and apologize and give us our condolences and they they don't agree with it i won't say their names ever because i told them i wouldn't but they knew what was wrong two weeks after maddie passed away and when you have people in your community that wear a badge and they come to your home and let you know what what happened was wrong i appreciated every one of those men it was just it was hard one of them knew my daughter since she was 16 years old. He's an out, he's now retiring, but 
you know, we have some really good officers in Duchesne County. I want to just say that. But one of them told me, Jared, there's a difference in road patrol and jail. And you found out the difference the hard way. And that broke my heart right there. But like I say, there's been, this is a tight-knit community and I have stirred a hornet's nest up. But if there's one person's life was saved by me taking a lot of heat, what I'm taking, it's worth it for me. Because when I see somebody lose a child, even not even drug-related, withdrawal-related, anytime somebody loses a child, I lay in bed and I know what they're going through. No parent needs to feel that pain. And there's plenty of us out there that have. And just stopping one's worth it for what we're doing. Let's 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 uh, let's wrap this up by moving your phone. You talked about you and Maddie were hunting buddies. <laughs> Show us, you have some evidence of that on the walls of your house. Do you want to talk about what you have there and show well, us? Well, these are just some of them. There's some white tail and a mule deer there. We got another elk up there. And we got, this is Maddie's corner over here. So these are, there's Maddie right there. If you can see her picture right there. It's a beautiful one. Yep. And then there's some deer that we shot with her there on the wall. And uh, this is a saying here that two weeks before Maddie passed away, this was on the uh, pews in there. It says, I testify that bad days come to an end, that faith always triumphs, and that heavenly promises are always kept. She circled that before she passed away and says, I want to make a sign out of that. Well, she got her sign three weeks later, as bad as it was. But she knew that life could change, but somebody changed that life the wrong way for her. But there's some more there's some more of our trophies, but the special ones are right here. So this white tail is the last white tail I harvested with my daughter. And uh, this mule deer right here was the last animal I ever took with my daughter. And the reason why it's on a pedestal is when she passed away, our taxidermist, he uh, he showed up at the day of her funeral with both of those mounted. He appreciated her that much that that's just the, something in time that's set there for us. That I can remember through all these mounts, I can tell you every date, every time where we hunted, how we took them. And it's like opening a book when we look at those. And so... I did have a good life with my daughter and so did my family. I just wish it could have carried on, you know, but you can't change it. Any final thoughts, Rachel? I, I, Jared, I appreciate you sharing this. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that we could talk about this without the constraints of doing a minute 30 news story because it's, it, it's, it, it's just such a meaningful, important thing to talk about. And I, and I appreciate you stirring up the hornet's nest in Duchesne County and, and, and sharing it with us today. Rachel, any thoughts? Yeah, I wanted to say that um, regardless of, of her decision, she's an incredible woman. Like it's not a choice to mental health or substance dependency, um, any of that stuff. She is still an incredible woman. And so, um, I, I just want to make that very known and very um, important that I stand beside her. That is beyond any anything else that her life mattered. And we've been talking a lot about heroes, right? The last year and a half, and I couldn't help the whole time that you were talking. Like 
this man is a hero. He should be seen and he should be heard. I mean, you stood next to your daughter. You did everything that you could and you're standing up for it regardless in this small rural town um, and for something that needs to be stood for and something that needs to be heard. And I, my, I don't wear a hat, but if I did, my hat is off to you and we need more people like you and the strength and the courage, like I, you are a hero, sir. And I am so honored that you came on the show that I don't even know what to say. I've never had a podcast like this before where I've been without words, but the, uh, thank you. Thank You're you. welcome. Any, any final thoughts, Stuart? You are sick. And she's saying a lot there because we've done like 78 podcasts already. So, and, and I agree, this is the most meaningful that we've done. Any, any final thoughts from you? Um, if there's any addict out there or somebody who's recovering, please, please make sure that you keep your mental health and your wits about you. And it don't matter if it's a mailman, a truck driver, somebody at the cashier station, talk to them, get some help. And if you do end up in a facility, bang that drum 24 seven and get that help. It's not worth going out the way my daughter did. Every life is valuable. Every life can be changed everybody does something wrong in their life. Nobody's perfect. And, and we all need to understand that we can't judge people for what they've done wrong. We need to help get the wrong corrected and get the right life on the right track. And that needs to be done for everybody, regardless of what happens. Thanks, Jared. It was good to see you again. And thank you for watching Odyssey House Journals.